0: Without the Y, Tiger, Leland, you will reside at the ROTC building. The rest of you garbage, grab a rack and settle in. Let's move out. You eyeball me again, I'll snatch it out and put it in Heath Coast cookie bag. It's so damp. What about my allergies? Do you know how far we are from the kitchen? Stay here with the rest uh. of the guys? As I said, so dirty. Major, hey, sir. What? Sir, I think I speak for everyone when I say that this place is unacceptable. Sir. Yeah. Really? Love my barracks night and day. Love my bear-
1: Doing this time,
0: Alex. Oh, Why you shut up? Alright, my little patch of Brussels sprouts. Uproot yourselves, climb out the pole, get some rest. You're gonna need it. Tomorrow, ladies, we're gonna start the hard stuff. The hard stuff? Let's that's pull cool, that's just- sympathy from me. This ain't no walking the frog that's moving. Hustle! Hustle! Hey, Dumbo, you should be able to fly to those dudes with the big beer, boy. Yeah, Dumbo, fly, baby, fly! Hey, William, you tell Marlene Matlin's son, if he don't get across that rope, I'ma hang him with it. He'll hang you with it. Hey, coach, you get your Take your blackboard got body over You shut up! Nobody's leaving here until the average for this squad is one minute, twenty seconds! Come on, he can't do it. Leave him alone. I can barely do it. It's slippery out here. Slippery, he say. You think Charlie care anything about slippery? Only thing he knows is slip your throat. What if this was a life-or-death situation? But it's not a life-or-death situation. Where Mississippi? the no Mississippi! Come on, guys! What are you crazy? It's just a dummy, today. Okay. Oh. oh. Who's the dummy now? Who's the
1: dummy now? Great voice in there. Major Payne gets booted out of the military. If you've seen this. And, uh, when, when his services are no longer needed and he goes through this intense period of, of depression, he has no purpose in life, he's got no goal, doesn't know what he's gonna do. And so when his, uh, his superior officer calls him and offers him a job back in the military, he doesn't even, doesn't even stop to consider what situation he's going to be in. And so he gets there and he's got to babysit these delinquent kids. Now the irony is that Major Payne, not only does Major Payne not have an idea, a, a good handle on what a real man is, but neither do any of these delinquents that he is, uh, put, that he's put in charge of. So it comes as no surprise that over the course of this movie, they really struggle on this journey to manhood. And since Major Payne doesn't know what uh, manhood looks like, then it's hard for him to lead others to achieve that manhood. Now, in our society, you know that that nobody really has a clear picture of what it is that's a real man. So I started thinking about through this, you know, some of the movies that I like and stuff like this. So who's this first one? First picture up there, Miriam. Who's who's that guy? Clint Eastwood. Now, this is Clint Eastwood. There's bonus points if you know what movie this is. No. Nope. I think that's outlaw Josie Wales. Yeah. Oh. Now, is he a real man, outlaw Josie Wales? He kills a lot of people. He uh, he uh, is nice to some people and not nice to other people. What about another one? There's another one. John Wayne. Is he a real man? He does everything alone, right? All of his movies. He's this tough guy that's all alone. He he rides alone and he arrests people alone. He kills people alone. He eats alone. Is that a real man? And then, of course, our movie from today, real problems. real problems, Real People, Real Problems. Major Pain, is Major Pain the idea of a real man? I don't think so. Now, we're going to talk about um, this idea of a real man, and, and so I, I, I'm focusing on this word provision. Put that up there on the screen if you would, Miriam. Provision. Now, this idea goes a lot more than just putting food on the table and a roof over our heads. So really the central idea is vision. Now pro means before or ahead of time and vision means sight or seeing. So a real man is one who looks down the years and sees things ahead of time. He tries to um, help his family be ready for things. A real man looks ahead. A real man anticipates needs. A real man gives direction and a real man gives his life to something that is larger than himself. When you think about it, this whole idea, we, we think about providing as food, shelter, uh, roof over our heads. We think that is a, a, a good provider. But really, those are the easy things for a man. Those are the things we can see. And according to the Bible, the things that we can see are not as important as the things that we cannot see. Now, don't you think for a second that I'm saying a man should not provide for his family because the Bible's very clear. The Bible says if you do not provide for your family, then you are worse than an unbeliever. So that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that the unseen world of the spirit, the world of relationships, is where we ought to be intentionally spending our time and our energy. Matters of character, heart, spirit, integrity, justice, humility. These are things that last. These are the character traits that outlive a man and leave a legacy. So what I want to ask you again, we talked about this last week. What kind of legacy are you leaving? This is a very big deal because nothing makes up for the failure of the family. Let me say that again. I don't want you to miss it. Absolutely nothing makes up for the failure of a family. If you have a family, man, that is your job. I understand you go somewhere and make money, but that's not your job given to you by God. Your job by God is to take care of your family. And here is the measure of a man. It's the spiritual and emotional health of his wife and children. Irma Bombeck was a syndicated columnist. How many of y'all have read anything Irma Bombeck did? She's a little old, so I'm I'm dating myself there. She's actually dead. That's how old she is. Um, But she wrote some great columns, funny stuff. She was syndicated and, and just hilarious. But if you ever learn about her childhood, you'll find out that her childhood was far from funny. She went through some difficult times, and she was talking about her dad. And and I read this article that she wrote, and I want you to see. Her dad provided the basics, the, the physical basics, but he missed something else. Listen to what she says. One morning, my father didn't get up and go to work. He went to the hospital and died the next day. I hadn't thought that much about him before. He was just someone who left and came home and seemed glad to see everyone. He opened the jar of pickles when no one else could. He was the only one in the house who wasn't afraid to go into the basement by himself. Whenever I played house, the mother doll always had a lot to do. I never knew what to do with the daddy doll. So I had him say, I'm going off to work now. And I put him under the bed. The funeral was in our living room. And a lot of people came and brought all kinds of good food and cakes. We never had so much company before. I went into my room and felt under the bed for the daddy doll. And when I found him, I dusted him off and put him on my bed. He never did anything. I didn't know his leaving would hurt so much. Now if you'd ask that dad if he was a provider, I guarantee you he said yes, I'm a provider. But he wasn't a provisionary where he looked to the future and tried to give his children a foundation upon which they could build their lives. That's what I want us to do men. In fact, that's my goal in the next several years is that we raise up a group of men here at New Life that become the type of men God wants us to be, the type of husbands and fathers that God wants us to be. And that's what I want New Life to focus on in these next 10 years. Our first 10 years, man, we've had a a roller coaster ride. It's been a blast. These next 10 years, I want us to be a a place where men can come and find out what it means to be an authentic man. We're going to start a Bible study in the fall. I'm I'm ordering that soon. And we're going to start maybe one or two. I don't know how many. Depends on how many guys come. We're going to teach you from God's Word what it means to be a real man. And that's the legacy that I want our church to leave. Um, A provisionary man needs to ask questions like this. If our marriage continues along just like it's going right now, where will we be in five years? Because, guys, if you're already distant from your wife, if you're going down different paths, what makes you think if you don't do something intentional that you're going to come back together? If you're drifting, you're going to drift apart. Five years, 10 years, 15 years, you're going to be further away. You've got to intentionally do some things that bring you and your spouse together. And let me just tell you this. This is free. Your children don't bring you together. Your children will suck every piece of life and energy and money out of you. And smile while they're doing it. And look cute. And then they'll leave you. And then they'll go somewhere else and they have their family. That's what healthy families do. They leave and they go somewhere else. And then you're left with this person that you don't know. Do you know the second um, highest rate of divorce is after 20 plus years of marriage? Do the math. What happens after 20 years? All the kids leave. And then you're in the house with a stranger that you don't even know, much less like. We've got to look to the future and plan ways that we get there. I love my kids. I love hanging out with my kids. I went on a date with Hannah yesterday. Had a blast with Hannah. Hannah. But she's going to marry somebody else someday. You're going to leave me, aren't you? Yep. You better believe it, Dad. And then I'm going to love her children and Rachel's children and Caleb's children. I'm going to love them and send them home. Actually, no, I'm not going to spoil them. I will let them get away with a few things, but I'm still going to bust their little heinies in the name of Jesus. Because I believe that is scriptural. Um, People tell me all the time what I'm not going to do. You know, they always said when I became a dad, I wasn't going to spank my children. Did I spank y'all? See, um, people said, you won't do it. Yes, I will. Your kid, your kids come and mouth me. I will bust their little tail and tell them about Jesus. Um, Back to provisionary. Guys, we got to plan for the future so that we love our wives so that our at 21 years, I can honestly say I love Janie more than I did. I didn't have a clue about marriage. I didn't have a clue about all those forever words I said, but I do now. And I mean them and I like her. I like spending time with her. Provisionaries say, How can I love my daughters in such a way that they feel secure enough that when some boy says, If you love me, you will, and she'll say, Uh uh. That's not love. Get on away from me, sucker. You can quote me on that, by the way. And if if you need help, just. I don't know if y'all watch, this is totally off subject. Y'all watch Duck Dynasty? I just discovered it. We've, we've now filmed, every, we're, we're recording everyone. I love the one where the girl was going on a date with her boyfriend. Oh, I am so taken. I'm just telling y'all. Any of y'all dudes that want to go out with my daughters, we're going snake hunting, only you don't get a gun. You are the retriever. And and I may not shoot it in the head. And we'll see what kind of man you, anyway. Um, I looked at him, I was watching it with, with Rachel and Hannah, and I said, you better know. We're going snake hunting. Anybody that wants to go out with you? That's that's. If they survive, they might can take you out. Um, how can I love my son in such a way that he latches onto the things of God and he becomes an authentic man that loves God first, that loves his family second, and then whatever he does for a living, whatever he does is okay if his priorities are straight. How? That's what a provisionary man does. Ask those kind of questions. How can I help my wife become the woman God wants her to be? So that that she's not completely drained by juggling all the things moms do and wives do. She juggles a lot. Don't you think for a second that being a housewife isn't a job? It's a job you never get to leave. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. I've done it a couple of times. I don't want the job. Give me a preaching job. I don't want to be a housewife. There's too much work there. Provisionaries... Look to the future, ask some questions and and plan out the way that we 're going to get there. So you have to do some things ahead of time that prepare your family for the dangers ahead. Years ago, I took a group of college students to uh, Glorieta Conference Center in, in Glorieta, New Mexico. Um, outside of Santa Fe, south of Santa Fe, and uh, this is a great place. It's beautiful up in the mountains, and, and I would take the college students and the seniors in high school, and so the first year we went, we're up there. It's just gorgeous, and somebody, I don't even remember who it One friend of mine I ran into, another minister, he goes, dude, the best thing you can do is take your whole group up to the top of Mount Baldy. Now, I had no idea. You could see Mount Baldy from, from the conference center. He's like, that's it right there. And, you know, it doesn't look very far when it's a mountain. But when you start walking, it's a long ways. I had no idea. I go back and I tell everybody. I think there's like 17 of us on this trip. I said, we're all going to go to Mount Baldy. And they're like, huh? Yeah, right. And I said, no, you don't get a choice. We're all going. So we loaded up and everybody told us take water. And, and so we've got backpacks filled with water and we take off. And uh, the first part of the journey, you know, I don't remember. It's four, five, six miles. It's, it's a long ways up there. Um, it it, the average time to get there and back is like five hours And so I didn't know all this the first time and so we start and you go up this little hill And then you go through this kind of valley thing and it's pretty flat um, but it didn't take long till it was hot. You know, even in the mountains in the daytime, it was in the, it was like 95, 96 that day. It was stinking hot. And, and you get up on this little hill, you can no longer see the, the top of the mountain. And so it wasn't long before whining and complaining and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I totally understand what Jesus is talking about when he describes hell as weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's walking up Mount Baldy with Nathan Gillis as a kid. I mean, Jeff was back. It was so bad. We were talking about this right before church. It was so bad that I left them. I'm like, Jeff, dude, you're on your own. That's your, that's your making. So, um, and, and I asked Nathan today, I said, what do you remember about walking up Mount Baldy? And he goes, misery. You know, he was like 10. 10 years, 12 years old. He's miserable, miserable. And so anyway, we're walking and, and we kind of get spread out. And, and I, you get to the top. The last probably half mile, maybe even a mile, is like this. It's almost straight up. It's so steep and the rocks are so loose that you can't go straight up the hill. You've got to zigzag. And everybody's puffing and sweating. It's so bad you can't even talk as you're getting up there. And you get to the top and everybody's just... <clears throat> and then somebody will say, turn around. And you turn around and you look and it's un believable it's spectacular and i don't even know how far it is as far as the crow flies to the to the conference center but it's nestled down in this valley and there's just pine trees everywhere and it's absolutely gorgeous now i tell you that it was so worth the trip i asked nathan this morning he said it was not And and I wish I'd have had the picture. I'll have to bring this out. I forgot about the picture. He said, have you seen that? There's a picture of the whole group up there and Nathan's over at the side, you know, looking at the camera, just breathing hard. He couldn't even uh, enjoy it. I told him I was going to say all this. Here's the deal. When we lost sight of the goal, all the grumbling started. And those aches and pains in your feet and your knees and your hips and your back, they're magnified because you can't see the goal. And men, if we're supposed to be the visionaries of our families and our families are wandering aimlessly and they're far from God and they have no purpose in life, guess what? You are the leader. And your family is probably right where you have led them to be. Now, I would never say this on Mother's Day. <laughs> Mother's Day is all a happy time, you know. You're great. You're awesome. We love you. Guys, this is what we need to be. And so... uh, I'll give you a couple of seconds if you need to leave and and you don't want to hear this. Um, Here's the thing I want to talk about today. Hannah did this for me last night. She's awesome. I want to talk about four pillars that men need to build their lives upon. Now, if you think about the four pillars at the the corners of this house, what happens if you're strong in one pillar and the other pillars aren't very strong? You're going to be lopsided, right? Right. What happens if, let's say, there's a pillar here and there's a pillar here? You're going to be very wobbly on the other things, aren't you? But if we can learn, men, all four pillars, and if we can emphasize all four of these things, it's already inside of us, and God our Father has given us an instruction manual to be the men that we're supposed to be. If we can learn to do this, we will forever change the trajectory of our family's lives. Is that something you men are interested in? Do you want to be the type of men that leave a legacy that your children say, "I want to be like my dad"? Your grandchildren say, "My granddad was a blessing." That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's look at these four pillars. Um, first one is leader. And guys, this is so important because if all of them are balanced, you look at this when when you learn all of these things, and if you want to do the U version, it's on there as well. Um, When it's in balance, the families are balanced and the families are secure. And sure, maybe they have some some issues, but it doesn't take near as much discipline to get a child back when their father is balanced in all four of these. But you show me a man, or you find a man who is not balanced in all four areas, and I'll tell you that his family is suffering pain and frustration because their daddy is not leading like God intended. So this first one is leader. And and we're going to fly through these, but... I want you to notice what the Bible says about the ultimate leader, God. In 1 Timothy 1.17, it says, All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal what? King. king with a capital K. The unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. So we have this ultimate leader, this ultimate authority. And, and I don't know about you, but I like all of those movies where there's kings and there's knights and there's all of these. I like that. And, and every good knight is under the authority of his leader, his king. And he becomes a leader in turn. And, and Jesus, God sent his son Jesus because we were in this place where we could not save ourselves. We were so um, helpless is what the Bible says. Without hope. And God sends his son Jesus Christ to be the perfect man to show us the way. He was balanced in all four of these areas. And because he did a good job, lived a sinless life, died on the cross as a substitutionary payment for your sins and for mine, Look what God did for him in Philippians 2, 9-11. through Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. How many knees will bow? In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whether you ever accept Jesus Christ in this life or not, there will be a time that you bow before him. How do I know? Everything that has been predicted in this Bible has come true. There's a few prophecies that haven't come true yet, but there's so many and there's so much weight of evidence that everything in here is true that I fully believe that the last few 10 or 15% of prophecies that haven't been fulfilled yet will be fulfilled. And this one says, we will all bow. Whether you accept Christ or not, but God is looking for men especially who will bow the knee in this life and become the followers that He wants them to become. Do you know why this is such a big deal? Why God wants men to be followers? I read this statistic this week that men who become Christ followers, 93% of their family after them follow in their footsteps. That's huge. Men, you need to follow Christ if you want your family to do so. You're either leading your family toward Christ or away from Him. So this first pillar, leader. You're leading somewhere, men, with your lives. Where are you leading? Guys, I want you to, in your mind, you're going to write this down later, but in your mind, 1 to 10. 10 is, I'm leading like Jesus. 1 is, I'm sucking wind. And, and put a number, 1 to 10. Where are you as a leader? Because that's one of the pillars. We need the leadership pillars. We need the men to be leaders. Now, there's a, there's a second pillar that's summed up in this next clip, and I want you to see this.
0: The three beats. Be a good listener, be sensitive to their needs. Well, hello, Miss Walburn. I just came by to let you know that Woolager has a slight temperature, so you might not want to torture him this evening. I will be sensitive to his needs. Have you been reading the book? Well, I might have glanced at it once or twice. Oh, well, that's very good. I'm very proud of you, Major. Oh, well, uh, <gasps> it ain't hard being sensitive. Who's back? The man who lives in my closet. Oh, boy, get on out of here with that. I'm scared of the dark crap. Go on, now, get. Sensitive. Sensitive. Hello there, fella. You know what you're having? It's called a nightmare. You know what a nightmare is? Well, that's all this is. Why don't you run on back to your room before that man jump out the closet and chop your little head off? (laughs) Sensitive. You call that being sensitive? Uh, Let me give you a little history on Kevin Dunn. Both of his parents are dead. Car accident 1989. Lived in the Chester often is till 1991 when the school adopted him. I know all about it. Well, then you should also know that the last thing he needs right now is a sadistic father figure scaring the life out of him. He's still there! You want to see nurturing... There, he ain't happy. What was that? Major Payne just terminated that bad man with extreme prejudice. And if he's still in there, he ain't happy. You run on back to bed. That bad man ain't gonna bother you no more. Thank you, Major. I love you. What's your angle, boy? You plotting on me? No, sir! Don't you know I can snap your neck in 20 different places? Major, Major, it's okay. He's just trying to show you some affection. I don't like it. Make you feel all funny.
1: (laughs) All right, so the second pillar. Um, One part of the pillar, this actually has two parts. One part Major Payne has down, it's the warrior. Now, this idea of being a warrior is woven into men in the womb. And if you read the scriptures, you'll find out that God is the warrior of both testaments. Um, Jesus may have been gentle, meek, and mild when he came the first time, but read the end of the book. At the end of the book, he comes as a warrior on a white stallion with a sword in his mouth, a rod in his hand, and a blood-spattered robe as he comes to take charge. He is a warrior, and this is something that all men have in them. Major Payne had the warrior part down, but he didn't have the sensitive, sensitive. He knew all about killing, but he didn't know about protecting. And according to the biblical pattern of a warrior, one of his number one functions was to protect, to defend those around him. Whether he's stepping on bugs or checking out sounds that go bump in the night or helping women and children into the last life on the lifeboat on the Titanic, a man is most like God when he's protecting and defending those people that God has put under his charge. And sometimes this warrior mentality gets a little out of whack. You ever notice that, ladies? You notice it. We don't notice it so much. Guys get all tough and distant and cold, and sometimes you think they're aloof. Well, here's the deal. My dad was in World War II, he was in Guadalcanal. He saw a lot of men die, and my dad still, if you get him talking about it now, you'll see tears come up in his eyes. And when you see a lot of pain, when you're a soldier, you know what soldiers do when they get injured? They slap a band-aid and maybe some armor over that hurt place and they keep going. They would rather hide the pain than talk about it. And so sometimes we get caught up in this warrior thing where we want to be tough and we're really not tough. On the inside we're really scared and we just don't know how to talk about what's going on in there. And I think that's one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons why God gave us women not to help us get in touch with our feminine side. We joke about that. But there is a tender side. It has nothing to do with being feminine or male. There's a tender side. And and men, you want to talk about when you're most attractive to your wives? It's when you're a tender warrior. Ladies, do you agree? You see a man who knows and is secure with who he is, and who God's made him to be, and he can be tender with you and your children. It melts your heart, doesn't it? And it makes you want to follow that man anywhere. Probably give him a big sloppy wet kiss too, but that's that's another topic for another day. Um, men often just have a hard time being tender, and so we've got to pay attention to our wives and learn from our wives. And have you ever noticed that you don't have to give a little boy even a gun? Do you realize that you can you not even give him a gun? What does he do? He'll use his feet and he's making all these noises like that and and. In this day and age, I don't know if they even make them anymore, but used to. We had toy grenades. Nowadays, you wouldn't dare give a boy a toy grenade. It doesn't matter. He'll get a dirt clod. Watch him. He'll chunk it. He'll get a pine cone. He'll get his sister's Barbie doll. He just needs something that he can imagine is this, this uh, explosive device that he can chunk and blow up the bad guys, right? It's in us, <laughs> And so, I read about this one lady. She, she was determined that her son was not going to be like that. He was going to play with peaceful toys. So you can imagine her shock when he came running out of the bedroom, firing off round out of, after round, uh, from the leg of a fuzzy, uh, teddy bear. Peaceful. It is in us, but we've got to develop the tender side. All right, guys? So where are you on a scale of one to ten? How, how good are you at being a tender warrior? Because guys, we can blow our families out of the water with our tone of voice. We can do all kinds of damage and we can be a tough guy and lose our families in the process. Or we can be the type of tender warrior that who, even when you mess up, you go to them and ask for their forgiveness and say, I was wrong. Because we're human and our kids understand that. I'm blown away at how Often, how, how willing my children are to forgive me when I admit i 'm wrong, and how unwilling they are if I refuse to admit it. does that make sense? You become a tender warrior and, and just try guys, just just try to listen. You get credit if you just try. You may not be good at it, but just try and become that tender warrior all right there 's a third pillar that is lacking in this next clip we 'll watch it and then we 'll talk about the pillar
0: so it 's true you are just going to leave. You know, when they're through with you, they're just going to cut you loose again. I asked to leave. This boy's making me soft. Them boys need you. All that hard work they did, they did for you. They did it for themselves. Benson. Look, moment I toured 11 separate engagements. I didn't do all that to come back and be conquered by no woman and a bunch of kids. What do you really think I was going to do? Marry you? Put up a white picket fence? Adopt Tiger? Become the loving male role model? That's not me. It's not pain.
1: third pillar is the mentoring pillar, mentor. Major Payne was really good at telling the men or the boys what they needed to do, but he wasn't so good at modeling it. And one of the greatest things that we can teach our children is to live up to their commitments. I I could feel, I'm sure you could too, the pain that Miss Walburn and the boys had as they watched Major Payne leave because your hero is never supposed to leave you. He's never supposed to walk out the door. We live in this society that's full of contracts and and you can break it whenever you want to and it's broken on a daily basis. Men are designed in the image of our Creator to be promise keepers. Not promise makers, promise keepers. And, And we're like God when we do that. When we aren't promise keepers, we open the door to Satan to attack our families and the destructive things that Satan has done in our families is evident everywhere, right? We see it all over the place. Jesus modeled this mentoring idea when he walked the earth. He obeyed everything his father commanded. And his, and his obedience took him to the cross. And and we read that passage in Philippians, how God raised him up because he was the perfect, sinless Savior who went to the cross and obeyed. But Jesus also taught his followers to do the same thing. He commanded us. One of the last things he said to his followers before he ascended back to heaven after he raised from the dead was in Matthew twenty eight nineteen and 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is one of the theme verses for our church. It doesn't say to go make disciples if it's convenient. It doesn't say to make disciples um, if you can afford it. It doesn't say that making disciples will be easy, but it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command of Scripture that we're supposed to make followers, make disciples. And here's the cool thing. The last thing Jesus said was, guess what? I will never leave you. I will be with you. And so guys, when we are mentors, you can't just say to your children, do as I say and not as I do. You have to model it for them. We're supposed to make disciples here in Palestine. But it also says we're to go to all nations. One of the reasons we go to Haiti every year is because the Bible says we're supposed to go and help those less fortunate than us. Bible commands that we're to take care of orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. In the book of James, it tells us that there are lots of orphans and widows. There's a lot of folks in Haiti that need some help. And when I went there two years ago, God told me that we're supposed to keep going back. And so there's 22 of us going in just a couple of weeks. And we're going to go and help build this church. And we're going to keep going back. And, and there's so much work to do. I really don't think we'll get it finished in our lifetimes. In my lifetime. Certainly not in Jeff's lifetime. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Just, it's just too easy. Too easy. At least you have hair. I'm jealous of that. You, you have hair. may be white, but it's a hair. Um, <laughs> the heart of a mentor wants to know God. And then he wants others to know God. He disciples first his wife and his children, and then he finds others. If there is no one that you're teaching about God, men, you're failing in what God wants you to do. We're supposed to reach out to others, and we're supposed to model all aspects of life with our words and our actions. Now, Major Payne eventually comes to his senses, and he comes back. Here's the last clip.
0: So why'd you come back? We don't need you. Maybe I didn't come back for you. Why'd you come back then? Maybe I told myself that I want to see you win first place and ain't gonna leave until you do. So that's it? It's all about the trophy? Maybe I like you. What? Just like maybe i like you a lot that's it don't push the maybe baby now let's win this thing we have nobody to lead the drill of course we do tiger like crazy? that's right that boy know the drill like the knob on the back of his head i can't do it i'm too little Ladies and gentlemen, the Wellington Academy Church. You need me to tell you the story about the little injury they could again? Then you get out of there and you do that horn, boy. Toot. Toot. And Tiger says, toot, toot,
1: and it's so sweet and so cute. So we've got leader, warrior, mentor, and friend. Friend is the last pillar. When pain realizes uh, he's, he has been conquered by a woman and a bunch of children, and that's okay. Because look what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is what? God doesn't just know about love. God doesn't just teach love. God is love. And if you don't love anyone, you're not like God. And it's okay to love others. John thirteen thirty five, Jesus said, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love starts with your family. It extends to your, your church family. It extends to other people around you, your neighbors. And according to Jesus... In the story of the Good Samaritan, your neighbor is anybody who needs you. Anybody who comes across and needs you. Now, I understand there's boundaries. I'm not saying that that you totally focus on some stranger and and neglect your family. But you need to be doing something for someone other than just yourself. So, okay, men, we got the four pillars. And I want you to to rate in each of them, one to ten. How are you in, in the first one? What is it? Leader, thank you. All the ladies say that. None of the men got it. Leader. What's second? Warrior. Warrior third. Mentor. And friend. One to ten on each of those. And then on your, your uh, registration cards, I'm just going to have you write a number, a total number, add all of those up. You don't have to tell me which one you're lacking in or maybe you're lacking in all four of them. The reason I ask you to do something every week on the back of your cards is because if all, we do, if all I do is talk and you listen, you'll walk out of here and within 72 hours, you'll have forgotten 95% of what I said. But if somehow we can get you to connect and realize what you need to do based on what God's Word says then we can actually change the world through the power of God living in and through us. So, men, that's your challenge today, is figure out where you are, where you need to work, and what you need to do to improve. I can tell you, one thing you can do today is be tender with your family. No matter what happens, be a tender warrior today and see what happens with your family. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Father, I want to thank you that uh, you love us in spite of ourselves. Because we mess up all the time. And dads, oh man. Sometimes I find it hard to look at myself in the mirror. Because I want to be like you and I'm not. And I fail my wife, I fail my kids. But you put a desire in me to keep getting back up off the mat and trying to do what's right. And I pray that you bless my children and their future. And I pray for the men here today that they would learn to love you with all their hearts. And they would learn to pursue you with all their hearts. And that they would disciple, mentor their kids. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up a group of men who would love each other like brothers. And would hold each other accountable so that we can be different. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'd fill out your registration cards on the back, that's your assignment, men. Put your total number. We have three baskets at the back. Our joy basket. Church members, regular tenders. That's where we give our offering. We don't pass the plates. It's just at the back. um, And it says joy basket. Second is our registration card basket. If you have prayer concerns, write those on there, um, and I pray for those throughout the week. Tell me your praises. I love it. I've been getting more and more praises lately, and it's awesome to, to see what God's been doing in your life. So if you've got an answer to prayer, be sure and write that down. We have a bagel basket. I love it. That stands for building a great life. We believe we're supposed to get out of debt as quickly as possible. Everything goes in there goes to the debt on this building so that we can be ready for what God has in the future. Um, don't forget to sign up for the birthday bash next week church at the regular time And then you'll actually have some time if you need to run home and change clothes or whatever or You can bring it all to church with you next week. We're going to have a blast um, And we're actually going to have you all sign up to play on a ki- in a kickball tournament and a softball tournament We'll probably get basketball and volleyball all of that stuff. Just going to have a blast There'll be even be a four square tournament if you hadn't played that that is How many of you have ever played four square? Okay, more than I thought um, some of my family members had never played it before. It's, it's a lot of fun. So we're going to have a great time next Sunday afternoon and just let us know so that we can have enough food there for everyone. Have a great Father's Day. You're dismissed.